When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind the scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacher boys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. Coming up. How many remember the movie The Fugitive where the wrong guy was getting away? Finally had to point him out. You're the man. You're the guilty one. They were going after the wrong guy. People get accused and even convicted and and crucified that are innocent from time to time, don't they? You know, like Jesus and all the disciples arrested. Okay. Well, the fact, that, the fact that Cindy, my ex-wife, went straight to the atheist channel with her story ought to say something to somebody. So sure enough, yesterday, the Connecticut County Court over here ruled Hoven's guilty and has to serve 30 days in jail. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host, Eric Skwarzynski. If you grew up in fundamentalist circles, you're likely familiar with Kent Hovind, the creation evangelist also known as Dr. Dino and the owner of Dinosaur Adventureland. I know I grew up watching so many of his tapes and am very familiar with the man himself. You're probably also familiar with the fact that he spent time in prison for tax fraud. You probably didn't know that in 2021, he was sentenced for domestic abuse and is currently in the appeals process right now. 
I sat down with Cindy Lincoln, Ken Hoven's third wife, and she shares a little bit about the darker side of Dinosaur Adventureland, her relationship with Ken Hoven, and goes deeper into her side of the story regarding the domestic abuse case. This episode is really fascinating, and I had a great conversation with Cindy. If you're like me and you're familiar with Kent Hoven, there is much of this that won't come as a shock, and some that probably will startle you when you realize just how deep it allegedly goes. So God made the animals, then he made man, then he made the garden, then he made the animals, one more of each animal again for Adam to name them and select a wife. And up out of the ground came the elephant. He said, the elephant, no, thank you, Lord. Giraffe, no, thank you. Hamster, no, thank you, Lord. One by one, God made one of each, and he named them and rejected them as a wife. And God said, go to sleep, son. I got a surprise for you when you wake up. And so he put Adam to sleep, took one small spare part, made the world's first loudspeaker. I mean, made the first... Um, <clears throat> <laughs> First and foremost, I mean, Ken Hoven is a very big name in what could be considered, I guess, a small world um, in the world of, you know, Christian fundamentalism. Like, I know I was brought up watching tons of his content and his DVDs and presentations, and and he was a really popular name. What was kind of your introduction to him just as the person Kent Hoven, like, were you familiar with him for a long time? Were you kind of raised in that circle or was it someone you discovered like much later on? I was saved in Nebraska in, um, I think it was evangelical free, you know, mm. and I very shortly moved to California where I was in a non-denominational and I okay. was early on in the faith that mainline denominations were dead and to just mm. go nominational. And so, and I was also familiar with the Baptists in that they were the kind where you polish your shoes, you put on a pen, and you only present your Sunday best. Now, even though I was saved in Nebraska, I was born and raised in California. I am a hippie <laughs> at heart. And so that was my polar opposite. And in even in California, the church that I was going to, there were a lot of ex-hippies, and we went in jeans. Mm. And we actually talked about sin. We were accountable. Um, it wasn't like, oh, well, no, I would never do anything like that, you know, and you only show your Sunday best. No. I was so pleased to be in a church where you could actually be accountable to each other. You could talk about your struggles. It was beautiful. And so when I came to Alabama to be in this ministry, it was not because I was an IFB. I've hmm. never been an IFB and I never wanted to be an IFB. And I thought that as a Christian, we share the same, you know, how you get saved. Yeah. What is the main teaching of the Bible? So I didn't think the denomination meant that much. If I had known, how so Kent Hovind pretends to be a good Christian. Hmm. You don't find out until you cross him what an IFB really is. Yeah. So anyway, in 1984, I was saved. In 1989, I ran across Henry Morris hmm. and the Institute for Creation Research. Yeah. Dwayne Gish, um, that whole situation which is where Kent gets all his material. Yeah. 
And then in 19, no, in 2016, well, in 2012, my son died Hmm. and his father was on a restraining order. And so I, I, I mourned for a year and then I decided, okay, Cindy, you are now free. You don't have any kids. You don't have a husband. You can be a missionary. I had wanted to be a missionary for 30 years. So I started looking into teaching English in China, working at orphanages in Haiti or Africa. I was too chicken for all that, especially alone, especially grieving. I knew I needed fellowship. And when I ran into Kent Hovind on the internet, it was like the perfect opportunity because you're living in a community of like-minded Christians. Part of my morning in therapy was landscaping. He was asking for a landscaper. I'm like, yay. So was it a job posting that you saw originally from him? Ever since I had been in San Diego with the Institute for Creation Research 20 years before that, that message was in my heart. Mm -hmm. I wanted to share the creation message, but in California, nobody wants to hear it. Yeah. So I felt like the Dead Sea. I had all this input and nowhere to go with it. No one wanted to hear it. And so I went and visited Dinosaur Adventureland, fell in love with the fellowship, fell in love with the property, and enjoyed just being a landscaper, um, the earth, the flowers, the digging, the physical labor. It was therapeutic for me. And So I went home, sold everything, and moved there. That was going to be my new life for the rest of my life is what I thought. Long story short, real short, there's a lot in between hand, but I ended up falling in love with Kent Hovind. I thought that, um, you know, how he doesn't charge admission, how he's 100% always preaching. He puts all his money into this ministry. When I California to Alabama, I saw two other dinosaur parks, but they're teaching evolution. So I'm like, we really need a creation dinosaur adventure land. And just, it, it became in my heart too. And um, how shortly after I married Kent, um, it became evident that he had a real, real dark underbelly. Yeah. There was a situation on campus where some people were high and Kent called a drug test. You know, he leads a lot of people to the Lord and they were new converts. Kent's tech man, Steve, was bringing to his house and pulling them off the bandwagon. Yeah getting them high. So I, you know, I want to help these new converts. I want to help them with what they came there for to turn over a new leaf in life. And I was on the wrong end of the um, argument. Kent Hovind wanted to cover for, for this drug. Hmm. And I'm like, what? What? No. And then Later on, turns out this same guy gets busted 
And when he's in jail, Kent sends 13 Dinosaur Adventureland volunteers to his house to collect the evidence before the police can get it. Hmm. He finds sadomasochistic pornography on endless loop on two ministry computers in Steve's home. And essentially cameras, sex props. This man is manufacturing porn on creation science evangelism equipment. Yeah. Um, and again, Kent wants to hide it. Before moving further on that, because I believe I read an interview with Kent's second wife um, where she mentioned some of these issues with like him bringing in, unless I'm misremembering the article um, and it was somebody else, but I believe it was the second wife that mentioned that he would bring in a host of characters into the organization. Some that were on drugs were mentioned specifically some that were, you know, and I think under the idea of restoration, which is a word that gets thrown around a lot, but under the idea of helping them be on their feet, but there's a variety of these people. Um, and, and the fear there was that, you know, he was getting into situations where he was going to get into trouble again, you know, like he had, you know, originally <laughs> and get into some kind of legal situation because of the types of people he's bringing around. Yeah. So this is something that has been echoed over a couple different testimonies now um you know not i have 28 stinking people interviewed on my channel right so no idea how he can possibly still be in business so up to this point like when you first you know started falling for kent like were you aware i mean were you aware of any of these stories like the the tax evasion i mean was a obviously a large one, but I mean, were you aware of any of the past things or was that something you kind of also at the time chalked up to like, well, they're probably just upset or they're probably, this can't be true. Like, did you find yourself kind of, cause I know for myself, like, you know, it's, it's easy when you're in it to go like, that can't be right. Like, this is such a, he's the Mr. Rogers of fundamentalism. Like this can't be possibly <laughs> accurate, you know? Okay. The tax evasion issue, I did do some homework on that, and I watched com by Brady Byram, mm. and I found it compelling. Yeah. I thought he's being persecuted for the faith. Which is the version most, I mean, it kind of made him a hero for a lot of people who, you know, tend to be more libertarian leaning, even, I mean, the idea of someone going, getting put in prison for a tax issue is lionizes him more than it does, you know, villainize him Bingo. in a lot of eyes. Yeah. Bingo. Now, as far as Steve and the drug issue, um, Mary and I witnessed a lot of that together and Steve actually got fired and sent off campus. So when I married Kent, Steve was gone. I thought, Oh, praise God. But, yeah. um, and Mary's issues with, how the 501c3 was being run. I didn't know as much about the 501c3 as she did because she's got one in her family. Her daughter has one. Sure. And, but I did leave with Mary and I came just to visit friends. And those friends told me, oh, well, the IRS already came. The FBI already came. And Mary was exaggerating. 
they're, they didn't do anything. And Cindy, you're free to come back. And I think I um, probably, I know for sure that I was in communication with Mary and I said, honey, I think, I think this man's legit. I think you need to come home. That was before I fell in love with him. And she said, no, uh-uh. you don't understand. I cannot come home. I'm not risking my freedom. And so when I was first saved, I didn't believe in remarriage at all. I thought you get, if you're going to get divorced, you stay single and seek to be reconciled for the rest of your life. And then after like seven years, I'm like, uh, <laughs> maybe not, <laughs> maybe not my whole life. I mean, yeah. I did remain single for seven years. So I changed my position on remarriage. So in my book, he was free to remarry. Right. I, I was curious about that too, because that's another start. I mean, especially now you look at four, four wives and three in a relatively short time. And that's a big no, no in, you know, the world that I grew up in. So um, I was surprised by that as well. I was curious what the, what the thought process was, but like I said, he's really a denomination to himself at this point. So like, he seems to be kind of creating his own, (laughs) his own version of, of theology on on that front. But I was curious about the remarriage side. Yeah. It is extremely important in God's economy. If possible, be married, find one you're compatible with and marry him. It's not good for the man to be alone. So here we got a conflict. What if a person gets a divorce? Now what? What if they're the innocent party in the divorce? Now what? Sometimes there are uh, what appear to be contradictory commands, and you have to say, okay, which is which do I do? Okay, your foot is stuck in the car. The car's on fire. Uh, you cut the foot off to save the life? Yeah. Doctors, that's just standard, you know, uh, medical practice. If you have to lose the limb to save the life, you lose the limb. Yeah, but it's not good to cut somebody's foot off. Yeah, it's worse to burn up in the car. And later Mary told me, I mean, she didn't tell me at the time, but later she told me that she was waiting for him to repent and come on a white stallion and say, Mary, I can't live without you. And after that, I started crying and I just said, I'm so sorry, I should. But he was already dating somebody else and she didn't even ever step foot on the campus. She was not related to the ministry and mm. Anyway, I knew he wasn't going to stay single. I told him, I said, you need to stay single or seek to be reconciled. And he said, I'm not going to. And she had told me straight up she wasn't coming back. So anyway, it was probably a huge mistake. But at the time, I thought, you know, we both have the same ministry in our heart. I loved living there. You know, it's really strange how you can think that God is leading you and you end up in retrospect. uh, Wow, it sure felt like God, but it sure wasn't. Mm. Either that or God wanted me there to do the exposing right now. Yeah. So this was, this was 2018 and in the two of you cut ties in 2020, how quickly, how quickly did it go? Oh, is it 21? Less than a year. Okay. So shortly after we re- got married, Steve returned. Mm-hmm. Everybody on campus was like, oh, no. It was January of 2019 that I, Kent said, oh, he's reformed. He loves the Lord. Yeah. He 
And of course, I believe my husband. I didn't believe my husband. I didn't believe Steve would reform. But that's another tricky thing about Christianity because the Lord does cause people to be completely changed. Yeah. And basically, I went along with my husband because of submission, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know. Well, he's your spiritual leader and, you know, and family leader, I guess is fair to say. Was he. So he's listed as a pastor and evangelist on his site. As far as like, you know, church, you weren't attending a church. I mean, was it just that world? Like, was it just Dinosaur Adventure Land? He was kind of the pastoral role. Were the two of you attending somewhere? One of the sick parts. Okay. Like I said, when I was saved in 84, I was very involved with church for those. Mm-hmm. And when I moved there, I wanted to keep going to church. That's one of the things I do yeah. and I go to Bible studies and I get to know people and I have accountability groups. I have fellowship. And when Mary was there, we all went to Eastwood Baptist church and it was a precious church. I really liked it. And then for some reason, Kent stopped taking everybody to church on Sunday and he decided he was going to be a church. And they were, there was some, tax benefit to becoming a church and so he wanted to become a church and so then it's no longer a church basically it's only people who go to dinosaur adventureland and kent and most of us didn't feel satisfied with that because basically he does a lot of self promo we listen to him on youtube every night of the week and a lot of times it's about creation evolution instead of just Bible. And um, anyway, that was a sick part of it. We should have kept going to a church when we ended up, when the drug bust happened and Kent turned on me, we went to Eastwood Baptist church for counseling, Mm. but the guy fired us very quickly and basically said, Cindy, He's not going to allow you to have a valid point. You need to either love it or leave it is pretty much what I was told. And of course, you know, this is not my first rodeo. I did not want another divorce. Um, I was going to do anything I could to stay in that marriage. But unfortunately, Kent had other plans. And he knew that I was not going to join him in his cover-ups. And so he was subversively trying to turn the flame up on me so that I would leave. The drug bust is the first real fracture point. And then from that point on, like you mentioned turning up the flame, like what was kind of the next series of events? Was it just one thing after another? Was it a little bit of a lull before the next event, you know, like what were kind of the next stakes that started driving into that, you know, wedge that was there? I do think that there was like abuse, lull, abuse, lull, abuse, lull. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, one of them was 
shortly after the drug bust, Steve wanted to, basically Steve wrote me this abusive letter. He called me a Jezebel, accused me of hitting on him, accused me of sleeping around before Kent, accused me of several other things. And I brought the letter to Kent and I'm like, did you see this? Are you going to allow your tech guy, your number one employee to talk to your wife like this? No. Basically, he saw no problem with it. This is another slippery thing about Kent. He uses other people to do his dirty work. Hmm. So um, then after the Jezebel letter, he had Brady Byram write me a page, really abusive letter. That's on my channel. I read it. I narrated it. He had Ernie Land approach me and say I was a bipolar idiot. Hmm. You know, when Kent... That drug bust where he called me Cora, that I, um, he ended that meeting in prayer. Mm. And the hypocrisy was just way more than I could cope with. And I did start crying really loudly and I ran all the way home crying. Mm. And they took that crying to mean that I was emotionally unstable and bipolar. And yeah. He basically went with the she's crazy thing and just started to perpetuate that. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a video with him today where he used that same language about bipolar and crazy and, and all those sorts of accusations. Yeah. And he says the same thing about other people who go against him. Yeah. That Mark Stoney is also PTSD from the military and he's Mm -hmm. crazy and we had to we had to kick him off because he was so crazy, which is just out and out lie. I mean, mm. the man is a, a real severe storyteller. Mm. So ultimately, um, at one point, Steve threatened me with a gun in his pocket, and then he vandalized my property to the tune of about ten thousand dollars. And Kent wouldn't do anything about either one of them. And in fact, not only would he not chastise him or defend his wife, but rather he um, promoted him to the board. And threatening you in regards to what specifically? What were his, was he requesting something or, or demanding of something or just what was the, um, what was his goal? In January of 2019, when he came back and Kent said he was loved the Lord, etc. I had sold my California property and it okay. was for Alabama properties to replace that rental income. And I allowed Steve to be one of my renters. Okay. And he just digressed over the, over the year. He played games with rent. He wouldn't allow me to have access to my home. He, when I, when repairs were needed, just long story. And so I gave him a 30 day notice Mm. and at the end of the 30 days, I was doing a video chat with a prospective tenant and I was not on the property because I knew Steve was hostile. I was in the road. I said, here's the field. Here's the well house. Here's the brand new. And Steve saw me with a video and he came barreling out of the house yelling, you effing this, you're um, spying on me or something like that. 
And I said, no, Steve, I'm doing a, I'm doing a video chat with a prospective tenant who wants to move in. You are not blah, blah, blah. And he went right back into the house and came, came out of the house about a minute later with his right hand on his right pocket. And I knew exactly what was going on. And um, I didn't see the gun, but there, there's another video on my channel that has five other people saying the same thing that he threatened them the same way with his right hand in his right pocket. He doesn't wear a holster. His pants are always falling down because he's got a gun in there and he's, he's a threatening thug yeah. Perfect for Kent's use. Hmm. Um, so when Kent promoted him to the board after that, I knew that, uh, well, and not only that, but he invited Steve to live in our house. Okay. Hmm. And me lived in a two bedroom house, like 800 square feet. Yeah. There's this man who's called me a Jezebel, falsely accused me, threatened me, vandalized my house, stole my washer and dryer. Kent's inviting him to live with us because I was evil to evict him. Yeah. And so basically the flame just got hot enough and I realized this is not a marriage. Hmm. This is not a flipping marriage. Yeah. I'm in enemy territory. I got to I got to get out of here. Yeah. And so when he moved out, I moved in. So during this time did you have any any contacts or people that you were able to talk to through this or was it kind of your in no man's land, pretty much, you know, where it's like, who do I chat with about this? Cause I know at this point you've had conversations with people, you know, from the past and have had several dialogues. You mentioned 20 plus conversations with, with different individuals at the, at this point, were you having these conversations? Were you aware of how bad it was, or was it just the immediate, you know, you kind of retreat back to yourself and this is happening around you? I did have a lot of cognitive dissonance, like you were saying, where it's like, oh, no, this can't be true. But the higher the flame got, the more it was like, no, this is what's going on. And yeah. I went to the people who lived on campus. Well, hmm. the book says, Matthew 18, if someone offends you, go to them. Yeah. I went to my husband. I went to him lovingly in the beginning, and then a little more aggressively, and then angrily. And then if he will not hear you, then you go, then you bring um, other witnesses with you and you approach him again. So I approached him with several people on campus and still wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. And I broadened the circle and I went outside people who lived there to other Christians that I knew were reputable that knew him basically begging anybody. Can you please talk some sense into this man? Yeah. And there's another video on my channel where Eric Hoven did the same exact thing. There's a list of all the names that Eric Hoven tried to sick on his father. Mm-hmm. There's pastors, family members, Kent's brother. Please, will you talk some sense into Kent? I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't know this at the time. I've done a lot of research at, afterwards um, to discover. I mean, one of the first things I did when I left was call Joe Hoven. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah. Did, was he always like this or did jail change him um, or basically to get somebody who would understand? And 
I was shocked to find out she was not surprised about anything I told her. Mm. And no, he didn't change in jail. He's always been like that. And Joe Hoven's silence is one of the reasons why I'm not going to be silent. Because her silence basically cost Mary and I a a lot. If she would have spoken out and revealed the true Kent Hoven, a lot of people would have been saved. There's a lot of people who have lost financially as well as spiritually and emotionally seeing his abusive behaviors and thinking that's what Jesus is like. And I don't want nothing to do with Jesus if that's what it's like. Hmm. So um, that's another reason why I'm here because I don't want the church to think that this is what Christianity is supposed to look like. I don't want the church to think this is what Jesus looks like. Ken Hovind does not represent Jesus. Hmm. He represents the Pharisees that Jesus turned the tables on. And made the cord, the whip with the cords, hmm. turning the father's house into a den of thieves. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious on that front because this is one thing. So, um, you know, you've obviously been on a lot of channels and talked about the story. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, when it comes to these conversations, I feel like a lot of Christian influencers, churches, there's this idea that by talking about exposing abuses and, you know, uncovering things that have been covered up, that it's an attack on the church as a whole. Um, I think that's a, and you've mm-hmm. gotten your fair share of feedback like that. Um, you know, in uh, one of the videos I watched where Kent was talking about this, you know, he mentioned, you know, he, he used that against you, that you ran to these atheist channels and his words. Harming you the know. cause of Christ. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so I, I am curious because uh, these same atheist channels, you know, there are, there are channels that do drink this stuff up because it, it does look like, Hey, you know, Kent is this, and he's a huckster and he's pushing, you know, he's cashing in on this creation, you know, all, all these sorts of conversations happen. And I'm curious from your perspective, like, what do you think Kent's motivations are? Because is it just a, this is his niche where he can have a little bit of control over his slice of the world is it a financial thing like what what do you think is motivating or or keeping him focused on this because it's he's just an interesting figure for lack of a better lack of a better term that's one of the reasons it took me so long because i could not wrap my head around the fact that this guy could be so good at the creation science stuff and I've since heard he's not as good as I thought. There's some isms of his science. And yet be a huckster. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to be a con man to hide a money grab, a drug um, cover-up, a porn production, you wouldn't think of creation science. Yeah. There's plenty of other career paths where you could uh, get involved in that. Yeah. But so I can't figure that out either. Hmm. I cannot figure that out either. And if you're going to be a con covering for these crimes, you're probably not going to be very good at the science part of it. Yeah. I mean, it just, the whole thing doesn't make sense to me. 
He is a narcissist, so part of it is just pure power and control mm-hmm. and image. He yeah. wants to be famous. He wants to be well loved or not loved. He doesn't have any stitch of love in him. He wants to be admired or even worshipped. I don't know about worshipped, but do you think he started with that in mind? Or do you think it's something like as you've I mean, I've talked to Joe and Mary. I mean, and it's always hard, right? It's because you're assuming someone's motivations or someone's intent in the beginning. It's just an interesting lane. But I mean, there's no, I, I'm not shocked by much anymore because I, I mean, there's so many people that I pastor a church of 20 people and they have the same personality, you know, and you wonder how do you feel so entitled <laughs> with such a, a small sphere, you know, and he does. He, I mean, he has no shortage of people that admire him within this world. Um, so I was was curious what his kind of driver was at this point um, or what his motivator yeah. was. And if you listen to his story about how it started, it does actually make sense. So he took the Henry Morris stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he wrote a letter to the editor in a newspaper to rebut a newspaper article that said that dinosaur bones had been found and they were millions of years old. And basically he was approached by a university to do a discussion on that for the university students. And then that led to many more people wanting it. So in a sense, it was basically a gold mine laid at his lap. Yeah. So in that sense, it wasn't intentionally devised um he just lacked the moral fiber to prevent a legitimate ministry from becoming um, a criminal organization yeah and again this is a this is a story um, I was reading an article today and it was talking about this, this whole thing is convoluted because there's so many layers to everything, you know, and there's different perspectives. There's so many uh, different pieces of this. So on the one side, you have the drug bus, the types of employees that are being hired with your story specifically, you have two branches that I see. So you have this financial side, um, which we can talk about. And then you have this kind of domestic abusive environment, you know, that's, that's being talked about, which he was sentenced. Um, so that's something, you know, people love to always respond to my videos. Well, innocent until proven guilty in court of law. And, you know, which I say at the beginning of every episode. So for clarity, he was sentenced for domestic abuse. It's going through the appeals process right now. Um, before we talk about that, let's talk a little bit about the financial side of this and how did that kind of start? Was that something that started after becoming married, was it something that had started beforehand? Like, what was the trajectory of that? Because I've read about it a lot and I'm, you know, I was trying to put the pieces together as far as like that timeline goes. When I came from California, I rented out my home and mm-hmm. I got thousand dollars a month in rent check. And since I didn't have to pay rent, because when you work for Kent, you trade room and board for 40 hours a week. And so I had extra and I did put it into the landscape. Um, 
just a little bit. But after I was there for a while and I decided to sell my California home because I was tired of paying California property taxes. Mm -hmm. I, and I knew that if I bought, if I replaced that $2,000 per month in Alabama, I could probably get rental properties and have left over because at this time I had been married. I was madly in love. I felt like this was going to be where I was going to live forever. I was serving the Lord. I was living my dream. And I, if I could sell my Cali home and get enough profit that I could do something substantial at dinosaur Adventureland and still maintain my 2000 per month, that was my goal. Mm -hmm. And after I bought my first rental property, I was only making 700 a month off of it. Right. This is Alabama. You don't get as much. And I, I was looking to buying an, another rental property so that I could again, replace my two thousand. Well, I had the idea and I came to Kent and I said, honey, I think I have a great idea. What if instead of buying another house, I don't mm-hmm. really house i just need another rent check yeah i put it into dinosaur adventureland and you guys give me a rent check every month Hmm. so um he said let me talk to ernie so ernie wrote up this contract and ernie said well we're not we're not registered with the security exchange commission we can't do an annuity but i can call it spousal support Hmm. and At the time, I thought it was just, you know, okay, I'm his spouse, so they can, the ministry can call it a spousal support check, and it'll be legit, and, um, but it, it, the contract said 20 years, that they were going to pay me 1300 a month for 20 years, Mm -hmm. and, um, So I thought I had a legally binding contract and I said to him, I want you to print it, notarize Mm -hmm. and give me a paper copy, not just this email version. And um, COVID hit and he claimed that he wasn't able to get it notarized. And then I started smelling a fish and I had Kent sign a different document where I wrote it out by hand that this is not just an exchange for work or being a spouse. This is an exchange for the money that I'm giving. Yeah. Which was 133,000. At that time I gave them 133 more than I had already given them. Gotcha. Already given them 90. When I sold my house, I tied 10% straight off the top and I bought some other things. I bought a greenhouse, a geodesic dome greenhouse, and a bunch of plants. I wanted it. I wanted to make a Garden of Eden. You really are a hippie at heart. <laughs> and so when I proposed to Kent that I would give 130 in exchange for it, he said, Well, 20 years at 1300 a month is $300,000. That's way too high of a return on your investment. And I said, okay, we don't have to do this deal. I didn't really know what was reasonable. I thought I was compromising because 
if I were to have bought a rental property, it wouldn't be 20 years. It would be life. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of your life, your child inherits it. They get the rent checks. So yeah. I was willing to stop at just the 20 years so that they didn't feel, I didn't want to steal from God. Mm-hmm. And then I had the idea, well, honey, actually, I've already given $90,000 this year. If we add that with the 130 that I'm promising, that would be 220. That would be a reasonable return on investment. He said, okay, you're right. I agree. So we signed the documents. And just to be safe, I didn't stop at 130. I did 133. Hmm. Um, and then when he started gaslighting me and abusing the shit out of me, emotionally and spiritually and um, started saying, we don't have a contract. Hmm. I went, what? We have two contracts. Ernie signed one and you signed one. Oh, well, those contracts. Well, we didn't have authority to sign those contracts. That kind of a, a contract would require a 51% majority of the board. And I'm like, after you have my money, you're telling me this. No. And then they started saying, um, those are all donations. And a good Christian wouldn't ask for donations back. Hmm. You're an Indian giver and a greedy bitch. Yes, hmm. Kent Holman called me a greedy bitch. And I'm just like, I came here to give. I was trying to give. I was trying to please the Lord and you're going to call me that. Yeah. So then I'm like going through the roof and you'll hear in the body slam recording, Cindy's going through the roof. Yeah. Um, Is that what prompted him to start recording the conversations? Is that when that started? No, it started after the drug bust. Okay. We- so it started very early on then him recording all the yeah. conversations. Yeah. Because yeah. he said he had, I think it was 300 recordings or something. of. First it was 200, then it was 600. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It went from yeah. 200 to 600 in one night. So that tells you a lot. That tells you he's lying through his teeth. But um, um, when we went to our first marriage counseling session, he recorded it hmm. without telling me or the marriage counselor. Hmm. That got me really upset. And I got home. We both got home from that marriage counseling session and he had had Steve go into our house and change the lock on the spare room. So Hmm. I couldn't sleep in there. I had to sleep in Kent's bed and I'm all, I kicked the door in. I was upset. I mean, just all this behind your back stuff. And it just was slowly a reveal as to who this man was. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I forget your question. Oh, I was just saying, um, is that when the recording started? Oh, it right. started earlier. And then it started, you mentioned in the body slam recording, which is what was played in court, um, that, uh, that that was you, you know, flying off that, like you were in anger mode, like, like just very upset. That was basically the climax. Right. That was where I realized my husband is not my husband. Mm-hmm. The man that I thought I married is not. This is just the my world is is 
going away. My world is crumbling all around me. Uh, Kent Hovind is fucking evil. Mm -hmm. No desire to reconcile whatsoever. I have every desire to reconcile. You do not. I also have a ministry to protect. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I don't have a ministry to protect. Not from me. I'm your number one fan. I'm your number one heart. I have the same heart for this ministry. Turn off the damn recorder. Uh, I'm sorry, I won't do that. I obviously, you don't care. Well, let's get you it. You have no heart. No, I care very much. You have no heart. Let's get another witness in here. Then. You have no heart. Anyway, the recording started after the drug bust because remember I told you I left that meeting crying really yeah. loud and running away. So that was their opportunity. Yeah. This is what we'll use uh, against her. He had to discredit my witness mm-hmm. because I knew he was covering for a drug pusher. My witness had to be discredited. So that was the, that was the plan. And they implemented that plan for a year. She's bipolar. She's emotionally unstable she's crazy she just goes off on these 
she's really nice sometimes. And then every couple of weeks, there seems to be a cycle and she just um, has these episodes, brother. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's slick. Were, he's, were you, were you aware of him recording for a long time or was it something that you discovered? Like how, how far along into this plan did you realize like, oh, he's recording this. I didn't even realize he's doing that. Um, the recording that at the marriage counseling was completely had no idea, mm-hmm. but during that marriage counseling session, I did notice he was behaving very strangely and he was behaving far worse than I'd ever seen him behave before. Because like I said, he knows how to behave mm-hmm. or he's pretending like he's listening that he's trying to reconcile, that he's trying to come to a meeting of the minds. See how nice you are once it's recording. Yeah, well, I, I'm nice all the time, Jeff. <laughs> anyway. You weren't a second ago. Yeah, I was. I said, well, okay. Anyway. But that meeting, he was intentionally trying to drive me off the edge. Hmm. And I did end that meeting curled up crying in a ball on the counselor's couch. And so... And when I, when he told us that he had recorded, I got really angry. So he knew that it made me mad, that it made me feel betrayed, that it made me realize he wasn't trying to reconcile. And so anytime he wanted to tick me off, he he could just walk in the room like the body slam day and say, I'll be happy to talk to you, but I have to record this for my protection because basically the unspoken part of that is because you're such a raging lunatic, um, you know, my lawyer told me to protect myself, yeah. against, which is just an insult from the get-go because anyway, yeah. I hope that answered your question. No, it, it, no, it does. Um, so the day that that particular recording happened and, and cause that was, that was played in court. Ken, obviously, I mean, he talked about on his channel and said that judge had hearing aids in and, you know, <laughs> threw in a couple different um, things to kind of discredit that. Um, so. That is so ludicrous. <laughs> Why would the guy be a judge if he can't yeah. hear? Yeah, he I mentioned- heard that too. I heard that too. It's like the judge shouldn't have ears. And the judge um, has hearing aids. Uh, he said even Jesus was crucified over false accusations. Uh, Cindy went straight to the atheist channels. Um, he had a couple. I didn't go to them. They came to me. All I came about, I didn't even look to see what they published. Later, I started looking at what they published, and I'm like, oh dear, I guess I should on those channels. But, um, I just wanted to get the word out. Yeah, this man needs to be exposed. People get accused and even convicted and, and crucified that are innocent from time to time, don't they? You know, like Jesus and all the disciples arrested. Okay, so famed Christian creationist Kent Hoven arrested for domestic assault. Hmm. Kent Hoven arrested for abuse allegations. Kent Hoven threatens ex-wife Cindy Lincoln with body slam if she doesn't drop lawsuit. Wow, from Mothra who comments all the time on our channel. Let's see, body slam audio. Uh, let's see, Kent Hoven's assault and battery charge. Kent Hoven and the body slam. What's going on? Well, the fact, the fact that Cindy, my ex-wife, went straight to the atheist channel with her story, ought to say something to somebody. So sure enough, 
Yesterday, the Connecticut County Court over here ruled Hovind's guilty and has to spend pay a hundred. No, let's see, a hundred dollar uh, for be out on bail, and and we're putting it on appeal, so none of this will actually happen. And has to serve thirty days in jail. That's what the judge said. Now the judge has no ears at all, literally, and has hearing aids and all that stuff. And when they played the audio, I'm going to play for you. He apparently didn't hear the same thing everybody else heard. I'm going to let you be the judge. Let you decide. Okay, we're going to appeal all this. So. Cindy wants to have a trial by media. She's posting stuff all over the internet on her little channel with a couple of viewers. I'm going to very reluctantly share my side of the story, and then we'll get into Matthew 24, if you don't mind. <clears throat> Many people in the Bible were falsely accused like this, and I was falsely accused, okay? She needs anger management, anger problem, anger problem. Uh, oh, I like that one, okay. I had three witnesses in the room no. that had heard Kent saying various renditions to the story that were... So if you're going to tell four different versions of the story, you're friggin' lying. Yeah. So that was one of the witnesses was somebody who said um, one of the versions that he doesn't say anymore. And then Mary was one of the witnesses because she saw him body slam 13 year old boy. And then the other witness was um, my mother's assistant my mother was living on campus okay he brought my 80 year old mother we brought my 80 year old mother to live on campus hmm. and after he body slammed me i went to tell it was like 11 o'clock at night and i knew that she would hear me leaving and she'd be worried why are you leaving at 11 o'clock at night mm -hmm. so i tell her that um i'm going to the doctor i'll I'll be okay. I, I actually don't remember what I told her because if I would have told her I was going to the doctor, she would have worried also. I don't know what I told her. I remember I told her and her assistant. Oh, I know what it was. So they saw that I couldn't breathe. They saw that I was holding my chest. They saw that I was moving really slowly. I couldn't sit down very quickly. I couldn't pick up my purse very well. And they asked me what happened. And I told them and I said, don't tell. I, nobody needs to know this. Mm -hmm. At that point, Kent Hovind was still a public figure. I didn't want to destroy his ministry. Um, and so she testified that she saw my physical condition and that, so Kent's story is that I made this up. I harmed myself mm -hmm. so that I could get money from him or discredit him. And so the testimony that I had told them, no, don't tell, basically proves that's a lie. Right. And how am I getting money out of this? I have lost thousands of dollars over yeah. this. So, I mean, you mentioned at the time, you know, you, you were not wanting to destroy his ministry. You had all these thoughts in your mind as far as that goes. And if you hear Kent Hovind, talk about it, you know, it's, it's this, the statements I just read, you know, running, running to these channels, looking for publicity, looking to destroy his career, his ministry, I am looking now. for money, all, all these sorts of things. Um, looking so, for money. Okay. How about looking for him to keep the contract? Yeah. No. I gave 200 K he owes me 18 more years of payment. I'm going to get you back into today's episode in just a moment, but first I want to thank the sponsor that is making today's episode possible. And that sponsor is factor. 
Factor creates no prep, no mess meals. You can meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, no matter how many podcasts you're recording, going up and down the stairs, trying to take meetings, whatever you're doing, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And I can say this from experience. They were kind enough to send me a couple of meals for this week. And I enjoyed one just shortly before reading this ad. And it is amazing. And with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. You can make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert and stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. And these aren't meals that skimp on quality either. You've got things like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, and so much more. So if you want to try it, go head over to factormeals.com slash preacherboys50 and use code preacherboys50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code preacherboys50 at factormeals.com slash preacherboys50. 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Go check out Factor and now check out the rest of this episode. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hmm. But I wouldn't need to body slam myself for that. I mean, if he, if he wasn't abusing me, I'd still be in the marriage getting that for me yeah. to leave that marriage cost me that 1300 a month. Hmm. I knew he cut me off if I left. Hmm. And, and you're not legally married, right? That's the other piece of this that gets tricky, right? Because in, from what I understand, again, from Alabama law doesn't recognize common law at this point. Correct. correct? So so try again, trying to keep track of just this. So he was, he was legally married to Joe for, I mean, a long time, decades, yeah, 40 years. And, and then so I he'd be a faithful husband. Went to, went to prison. She left largely related to that. Um, so we are told there's so, more to that story. Sure. I think she was abused as well. So they split ways. He, Mary, he legally marries Mary. They, they split, but don't actually get legally divorced. They never filed paperwork in 2017. When they got married, common law marriage was recognized by Alabama. And 
The common law marriage was a legal marriage, but it was not filed in the county. Therefore, if you try and go and file a divorce, they can't find the marriage. Interesting. Okay. So he's not, so he's not legally still married to her then. Robert Beatty says he is. I have no clue. Yeah. Okay. And then the reason I didn't want a legal marriage is because I had a house in Cali. Hmm. Kent's got a half a billion dollar tax lien. I don't want the IRS saying, oh, you're Mrs. Hoven, joint account. Gotcha. Your Cali house to pay for his tax lien. Right. I said, no, 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 no. Okay. Told me at the time, wow, that's a wise decision, Cindy. And of course, my father said, don't ever commingle it. Mm-hmm. That marriages don't always work out. And um, he said, don't ever commingle it. And thank God that I didn't. And his current is, is also the same. It's not illegal. I don't know what they did. Sandra's claiming they're legally married and that she hmm. legally changed her name. I have no idea. Right. But okay. when he f- gave me the piece of paper annulling our marriage, it was a fraud. He claimed that I was emotionally unstable and that if he would have known that, he would have never married me. Hmm. The abject lie. And Second of all, you can't annul a marriage that's almost three years old. Right. You can only annul a marriage if it's less than a year or less than nine months or whatever. Right. So he's a bigamist, but I'm thankful for Sandra because it kept me from going back. Hmm. I mean, I couldn't go back as long as he never repented, but I would have stayed single for the rest of my life and kept hope hoping that he might repent. So don't. So where do we go from here? So there's, um, there's many layers to this, obviously. And, and again, many you've interviewed many that have talked to different, different points of this and different sides of financial side. Um, You know, we haven't even covered uh, the Chris Jones story, which is something that's been brought up quite a bit. Um, And uh you know, so there's there's all these different elements here. As far as what you'd like to see happen, he was sentenced for the domestic abuse side to a year, um, but it looks like he'll have to serve 30 days unless that's which changed. Like, hello, which is, what? Which, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, what would you like to see happen beyond that? Is it just awareness? Is it something where, you know, what's the, what's the best possible outcome from, from sharing your story and from getting more who have seen things to, to come out in the open and speak about it. And I know there's probably no right answer to what you'd hope (laughs) would happen. Well, there's a, there's, there's five or different facets, five Mm -hmm. or so facets. I mean, but um, I think before I answer that, I want to, the Chris Jones part needs to be said. Mm-hmm. I already said he covers for a drug pusher and that that drug pusher was caught red-handed manufacturing porn. And Kent had him basically move on to the campus after that. Mm-hmm. Stayed his right-hand man after he discovered porn production and heroin in his house. Okay. Kent is actively covering for this drug guy and for this porn production done on ministry equipment. 
He also covers for Chris Jones, who is a registered sex offender. And Brady Byram, who is not registered, but who has a scathing indictment from his son. Mm. He appointed Brady Byram to the board. Brady Byram wrote KentHovenIsInnocent.com. Okay, he just put Brady Byram on the board of Creation Science Evangelism February of 2022, just Mm. a couple months ago, knowing that his son accused him of years of child abuse to his sisters. (coughs) Okay, now the Chris Jones thing. The other connection with what you do, okay, you have a lot of stuff about Hiles Anderson College. Yeah. Kent openly says on his channel that he used to drive one of those buses for First Baptist Church in Hammond, Indiana. Hmm. And I have, I read an article on my YouTube channel called Let Us Pray, Hmm. P-E-Y, and it shows a map of the United States with Hiles Anderson in the middle and tentacles going Hmm. all over the country. There's been, I think, nine convictions for pedophiles that came from Hiles Anderson. Okay. And far, far more. Yeah. There's a, a ton. Yeah. But and connections, first, second, yeah. third degree connections all over the place. Yeah. And when I left Kent Hoven, oh, this is a very long story. Anyway, Kent Hoven is still tied to Hiles Anderson College. Hmm. So I don't, I've never seen evidence that Kent is a pedophile, but he definitely covers for them. When Chris Anders, when Chris Jones brought a minor to Dinosaur Adventureland, there were many people who came to Kent and said, um, have you seen Chris's rap sheet? Yeah. See, story for Jack Hiles, Brady Byram, Chris mm-hmm. Jones, and anybody else that they're in a, they're falsely accused. Right. And at the time I believed him. But somebody came to Kent and said, Have you seen his rap sheet? Mm-hmm. It's not innocent. At any rate, Kent kept maintaining, you guys are just a bunch, you know, of of judgmental Christians and you need to forgive Chris. You need to hug him right now. And Chris brother, you're welcome on campus anytime. Yeah. And he's registered. He's a registered. Being registered. Sex yeah. And we just now found out that that young boy was molested by Chris Jones that weekend. Hmm. Ken Hoven provided the housing. Kent Hovind's secretary tried to put them in the man cave where they would be not alone, not unsupervised. Kent said, no, no, no. They're going to stay over at the house down the road Hmm. alone. A pedophile and an 11-year-old. And now we just found out that Kent Hovind was aware that that poor 11-year-old was given cough syrup basically knocked out with coding and he was acting a little bit out of it the next day. Mm-hmm. Oh, so he could be an accomplice. 
I have no idea what that man's actual involvement is. All I know is he covers for them. And um, it's a criminal organization. Hmm. I don't want people donating to Kent Hovind. I want him starved out. He needs to step down. He's not a pastor. No. Not represent Jesus. Hmm. I want the people that think that he's so great and, oh, I want to go to Dinosaur Adventureland. I want to save them the trauma. Some people go to DAL and they have a great time. It's a beautiful campus. The Science Center, I built most of it. That is my heart. The greenhouse, I built. You might go there and have a good time. But if you're going to sell everything and go to live there, you will be financially and spiritually and emotionally abused. Hmm. And um, I don't want that. Yeah. Hmm. I, yeah. I really want, I really want someone to help me. I mean, it sounds like I had a Cali home. I had lots of money and I did, but not anymore. I cannot afford a lawyer. Hmm. Lawyer who will take the case about my breached contract and he wants $10,000. Hmm. That's basically all I have. And I have a GoFundMe campaign if you want to help get Kent Hovind um, held accountable for what he did. If not, then I guess it'll have to wait till Judgment Day. Um, I hope that's clear enough. It just yeah. breaks my heart when I go on his channel and I see these comments. You know, we love you, Dr. Hovind. Satan's yeah. attacking you. Um, I'm not Satan. I wouldn't be attacking my own husband unless I had legitimate grounds. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the, the, the thing that can comes up a lot, you know, and I, I saw this in the, in some of the videos I was watching of his, um, people tend to go straight to you're under attack. And I, I think a lot of times people like Ken Hoban or Jack Hiles or, fill in the blank with any list of persons been covered, they get ahead of these stories in a way where, you know, it, again, it lionizes them a little bit, you know, it's like, I am under attack, so I must be doing something right. Or, you know, all these people hate me. So obviously I'm in the I'm right direction. Because <laughs> I'm such a stalwart for the right. faith. So, oh, yes, sir. You got it. So how do you think, and I asked this cause I, I haven't figured this out yet. Um, so I'm always curious. And, and this is a, I think a, somebody I'd be interested to hear your perspective on is, you know, a lot of times when you, when you go after somebody and their followers are told to expect persecution or expect outside attacks, it's already coded in their mind that like, okay, someone's coming out and saying something it's obviously a demonic attack. Oh, someone's coming out and saying something. It's obviously because he's doing the right thing. How can we better share these messages in a way that people see the truth without instantly relying on? Cause, cause I mean, honestly, like some, this, in some ways, these stories are the best thing to happen to Kent Hoban because it, it proves that he's right. Right. It's like, 
It's like, man, people are coming after me because I'm doing good work. It's, it's more ammunition for him. Like, how do you think we can best report on these stories in a way that doesn't, you know, it, rally the troops around him? Because that's what I saw in his YouTube videos, just this, this group of people surrounding him in the comments and the live chat, you know, going, we love you. We love you. This is great. He had people calling him on speakerphone on the show. You know, it, I, I just, I'm at a loss. Others are liars. Yeah. And uh, we were just jealous because we wanted to take over the ministry. And since we couldn't submit to our husband and, and take over the joint, well, we're going to attack to kill. No. I mean, he, like you said, he brags. There's 2,200 anti-Kenhoven websites. Ha, ha, ha. That means I'm so great. No. I wish I knew the answer to that. Actually, honey, the best answer is. The legal system has to get go after him. Yeah. But you know what? Somebody told me, Cindy, he's already been in jail for nine years. Yeah. It didn't change him and it didn't change his followers. Yeah. But in actuality, it did change some followers. Yeah. And I have gotten people who have said, oh, man, Cindy, I was almost going to go down there. Thank you for sharing this. So I guess we just have to be happy that we will be able to save some and not others. And if somebody is not willing to do the research, some people have actually done the research. They've watched some of my videos. And but these are people who live there. Okay. You'll do a lot to save your job. Yeah. Job is also your home. When your job is also your ministry. When your job is also your fellowship. Mm-hmm. I've had more than one person who lives at Dinosaur Adventureland backstab me. And they know that what they're saying is not true. So, I mean, Sandra's one of them. Okay, when I first found out that she was allowing Steve, the guy who had the porn production studio mm-hmm. and the heroin, Sandra was allowing her daughter to be babysat by him. Mm-hmm. Dang straight, I looked her up and I sent her the evidence. Yeah. I said, do not child be babysat by steve do not sell your florida home and do not put it in kent's name she basically well you know as you've said kent's got a oh a web of lies Mm -hmm. she chose to believe his lies and she chose to believe that i'm lying to her and she chose to allow her daughter to continue being with Steve. 
And actually, I've heard recently that Steve has finally kicked off campus. Hmm. So I, but anyway, yeah. when, so the, the, actually the crowning, the crowning thing, I, I was going to say crowning jewel, but it's not a jewel. It's a, it's horrific. When he found out that Zaire was abused just last week, I also wanted Sandra to know that. And Kent didn't, Kent's response was to say, oh, I, this is on Brett Keen's show. He left a voicemail for Brett Keen. Brett Keen recorded it and uploaded it to his show. It's now on my show because Brett pulled it down. Kent's response to finding out that Zaire was molested was not, oh, my God, I made a mistake. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God, I will help Chris. I mean, I will help this child any way I can. No, his response was, I just heard that Zaire's going to press charges against Chris Jones. Wow, brother, this drama's they'll never let this drama end. They're hmm. a bunch of morons. Just ignore them. Hmm. That pissed me off. Yeah. This little, he was 11, now he's 14. Is going to be called a moron? And so at this point, I don't have any idea why anybody is still living at Dinosaur Adventureland because I sent that recording to all. Oh. That shows his character. And if you're still living there and you're still sleeping with him every night, there's something wrong. Yeah. That's beyond cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Hmm. As far as I can see, tell me what do you think? Yeah. Cognitive dissonance go that far? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. I always go. I mean, I, I, even two, two and a half years now into doing this and talking to so many people, I always try to assume the best in people. And I always try to assume there's something I don't understand or that there's something that, you know, and I, and I, and I do, I mean, I've, I've researched and interviewed authors and talked to people who have, who study this. And I understand that victims often become accomplices and often, you know, often are manipulated, you know, like they're a victim of the situation. So they're, they're getting manipulated. They're getting emotionally manipulated. There's leverage there, you know? Um, And, but then also too, I mean, when it comes to the ministry cover-ups and ministry abuses, like, I mean, we had a cover-up that was happening that our church was a part of when I was a teenager, you know, I was in, I was literally in high school and I understood the minute I saw it, even though I had been indoctrinated and grown up in that world forever, I understood that this doesn't match what we're preaching. And so Mm -hmm. I really struggle to, I really struggle to accept that adults, (laughs) that people, you know, when people say, oh, they're brainwashed or they're this, like I was as brainwashed as you could be. I was part of that world to the fullest extent possible you know, and to, there's just a point that we're right is right, you know, wrong is wrong. And I, I don't know how it's hard for me to be forgiving of that, you know, when there's so much clear having the same problem. No, but like I said, I mean, I try to, I try to see the best and try to be empathetic and see, you know, and there's people that I love that 
have been in these situations where they stick around a place and they've been abused blatantly and manipulated and and for some reason they stay and I don't understand it but it's it's hard it's hard to understand and rationalize it you know because if I could rationalize it, I'd still be in it <laughs> you know I just can't I can't rationalize it I've never been able to I don't understand I don't understand how people do so you have the same wrestling. Yeah. When I was looking into the Duggar story hmm. and the recent conviction in May and how the wife wrote him letters. Let him come home to our family. Yeah. I really, I thought you had a lot of, I really liked the way you said they don't deserve she, doesn't deserve custody of her children. Yeah. That's pretty dang serious to say. Yeah. I mean, I think she should have custody of her children if, if he's in jail. Yeah. If he comes home, why, why would they allow him to come home when there's children at home? Yeah. Well, that's the point where regardless of the why, because that's the thing at the, at the end of the day, and not to go on a total tangent, but this is something I think about, obviously, and you think about it as well, I'm sure. But it's one of the things where with a lot of these cases, the why is always going to confound us. Like, why why did Anna Duggar you know, stand by him for all this time? Why did Josh Duggar do the things he did? Why in these cases, why stand by Chris Jones? Why stand by these people? Why did Jack Kyles do this? Why did so-and-so fill down the, the list of people? We're never going to understand the why, but there's the what, like this happened. What's the appropriate response? Like Anna Duggar is in many ways a victim herself. She didn't ask to be put in this situation. I feel a lot of sympathy for Anna Duggar, but also her, regardless of why she feels the way she does, if it's putting a dangerous situation for her kids, we have to address the what, you know, like if she has, whatever the reason is, she feels like she owes Josh a second chance or she's going to stand by him. That doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's she does. So how do we react? How does the legal system react to that? How do we address that? You know, in other words, it doesn't matter why it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. We need to address it as, as what it is. It's wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's misplaced Christian sympathy. Yeah. The whole thing about Christian love and Christian forgiveness, well, your Christian love belongs with the children, yeah. not the perpetrator. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you sharing and I know you've shared, um, I know you've shared quite a bit elsewhere and I appreciate you, um, you know, taking the time to have this conversation and, and sharing and, um, and obviously everything you mentioned, I'll link out to the GoFundMe, um, in the show notes, I'll link out to your channel where people can, can see more because there's so much more. I mean, we could go down all these rabbit holes and all these conversations and years and years of these, um, discussions, but I really appreciate you sharing it, um, and for being open about it. And I'm, you know, I know we're waiting for the legal system to sort itself out on some of these things and to, to sentencing to complete the appeals process to be done with. Um, but I, I really do appreciate you, you sharing this and for all the work that you're doing, because I know it would be in some ways it would be easier, you know, to put this behind you and just, you know, 
just separate it and cut the losses and go out. Um, but I really do appreciate you taking the time to share it and to, to have this conversation. It, it means a lot to me. And I think it's important. You know, I think we're both here because I think it's important to have these discussions and, and get this stuff out in the open. So I really do appreciate it. I'm glad you see it that way. Thank you. I really appreciate you giving, just helping me get the word out and um, helping save future victims. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.